I want to bear my heart to you tonight and talk to you. This is like the old uh, fireside chat kind of thing. Uh, message type message. Uh, this is a meditation that I have had uh, for a week or so. And the question I ask in the title of the message, am I really pure in heart? Am I really pure in heart? I began to roll this, uh, and I'll read the text, Matthew 5.8. I'll read that to you in a moment. Beatitudes, maybe some of the best known part of Scripture. Uh, even unsaved people know this verse. At least can quote it generally. I began to roll this over my mind and asking God to give me some insights in it. And the old still, the still small voice uh, began talking to me about it. My defense immediately went up and my justification went into high gear. I was ready for whatever the Holy Spirit may bring up to me in this area of purity of heart. I began, as, as we do, to defend myself to God. I mean, I, stuff like, you know, I've been married to the same woman for 49 years. I've never kissed another woman in passion. Uh, on the, uh, you know, I've kissed people on the cheek as, a, as, a, uh, as the Italians do, you know, as a greeting. I've never kissed another woman in passion beside my wife. I've never committed adultery on her um, or any other type of immorality on her. She, I have Her and I have exclusively, I don't know about her, but I mean, I can't speak for somebody else, but I have been faithful to her. I have not gone to strip clubs, lap dancing, or exit 374. Off I-75. Don't do that. Even if you need gas and you're ready to run out, do not turn into exit 374 off I-75. Or any other illicit places. Uh, so I kind of thought, well, what's, what could the Holy Ghost bring up? Have I not been what God wanted me to be? And so let's look at our text. Matthew 5.8. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. My justification continued. I reviewed that I'm a Bible student. I'm a lifelong, really, Bible student. Some over 50 years of studying the Bible, reading it carefully, studying it as in-depth as I could. I, put, I have multiple degrees, bachelor degrees, master degrees, and an honorary doctorate degree from Ambassador Baptist College, 43 years in full-time Christian service, uh, part of that as assistant pastor, some of it as a dean of men of the Bible Institute, and a senior pastor now here for 28 years. I have some qualifications for knowing what the Bible says. I have practical life experience, not as, as well as a technical Bible knowledge, I have had some testing in the fire of life. I surely should know what this passage says, you would think. 
What was the problem with the Pharisees? You know, Jesus left his hardest, strongest, meanest, most pointed, and I like this word, excoriation uh, for them. He saved it for them. Matthew 23, where that's found, is unparalleled. In its old-fashioned, hellfire, damnation, harshness. There's no fluffy, back-scratching, politically correct, pink lemonade-sipping sissification there. Uh, why? These were the folks who knew the Bible better than anybody else. And, and, and really outwardly attempted to do what they felt it said. They were willing to call out others who did not practice what it said. They were willing to make long prayers. They were good at praying. They practiced praying. They were good at it. They wore modest clothing. They obeyed, as far as they could tell, the law of Moses to the letter. They went to the temple, three, three services a week. A little tongue-in-cheek there. They tithed their income. I mean, all of their income, they tithed it. They gave to God. As I began to think about this, I began to have my eyes open and as I meditated along these lines. And let me share some of those things that God spoke to me about. First of all, God wants people to be th thoroughly pure. An exhortation in the Bible to us is keep thyself pure. Blessed, Jesus said, of course, blessed are the pure. He goes further, though, in heart, for they shall see God. He's not talking just surface purity. Not kind of pure, but really pure. Secondly, God wants his people to be pure, not according to their standards, but according to his standards. Our standards was what I came up with in the introduction of this message. Outside activity, outside actions outside. Now, now, God wants your outside actions to be right and to be consistent. And, and for a person to really be pure the way God wants you to be, your outside actions must also be pure. I mean, it's been said actions speak louder than words. You've heard that. It's a truisms spoken many times. But God's standards are for the whole person not just for your intellect, emotions, and will. The will, your decision-making, is what makes our choices and determines our actions. And for a few reasons, we may comply 
to what we know is right outside for fear of the consequences if we don't. We may comply for a fear of ruining our reputation or ruining Jesus' reputation. By the way, no man sins alone. No man is an island. There are people watching you. We, we may have our outside actions right for fear of the loss of comfort. It'll change our, it'll change our comfort. So we're faithful to our, we, we men are faithful to our women because we found a woman that'll, she's a good worker, she cleans the house clean, she's a good cook, and if we got rid of her, our comfort zone would be a, a disrupted. We may, have, we may have outside behavior for fear of disappointing others. Our mothers, our fathers, our grandfathers, our family, the people looking on immediately, that if we didn't do what God wanted us to do, they would, it would be damaging to them. And that's all, those are all noble things, by the way. I mean, it's possible also to obey from the outside for gain of approval because people will approve of you if you do that. And you'll have... People happy with you. God's standard wants our will, intellect, emotions, and will, if I may say, and our heart. And our heart. God's standard is expressed in scriptures clearly. And he says, there's a group of people that I want to be with me. We find in Psalm 24, in verses 3 through 4, it says this. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands, that's outside, and a pure heart, that's inside. Who hath not lifted up his soul in the vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Psalm 15, verses 1 through 2, almost says exactly the same thing by introduction. It says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Psalm 15 has been called a leadership psalm, but it's really the kind of people God wants to be neighbor to. I preached a sermon, well, you want to be God's neighbor, and it was over Psalm 15. God, does, would God want me to be his neighbor? He said, who shall abide in thy tabernacle, who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, that's outward, and worketh righteousness, that's outward and speaketh the truth in his heart. That's inward. So you see by those two examples, that God wants those to be with him, and God wants to be with them, that have practicing righteousness on the outside, and practicing righteousness on the inside. Do not fool yourself. To believe that somehow you can live this a double standard of outside righteousness and then have inside corruption. The biggest beef that God had, that Jesus had with the Pharisees, was they were, he called them whitewashed sepulchers. And what was that? They would build an above ground place to put a, a, a body, and they would adorn it and it was it was pretty to look at and it was whitewashed and it was it was ornate but what was in it 
full, he said, of dead men's bones. Corruption. What was in it? Stink, stank, stunk. I mean, what was in it was nasty. What was in it was repulsive. But outside, it was beautiful. I never went to a more beautiful mausoleum than in Detroit. I don't know if you've ever been in that mausoleum. That, that, I'm trying to think of the name of the... Does any, you know the name of that real fancy place, Max, in Detroit? White Chapel. Well, you should ask a mortician. There you go, right there. By the way, when, when, when a fireman shakes your hand, you wonder if he's sizing you up. But anyways, uh, White Castle. White Chapel. I'm trying to be serious. White Castle. Now you want to go get a hamburger, don't you? White Castle hamburger, 15 cents a piece. Wow. White Chapel. Chris Powell, a member here since 1982, um, donated this land to us, at least half of it. Um, was chairman of the board of deacons here for a number of years, a lawyer, a judge, a councilman in Detroit. He knew a lot of people. They asked me to do his funeral when he died, and I thought, man, I'm about the last guy that, that wants to fly to Detroit. And I, I think he died in the winter, too. Everybody does. And it's, it's, it's a die in the winter, and it's a usually nasty weather. So I fly to Detroit. The flight was 900 bucks. I remember that. Because it was last minute. And it was round trip, $900. I swallowed hard on that. And so, but Jean, she paid for it. I, I tried to pay for it. She, she paid for it. But I didn't like to spend her money anymore than I spent my money. So I flew up there and, and, and did a funeral for our brother. And the place that we buried him, it was packed. The church was packed. I mean, it had city councilmen and I think the mayor, the mayor and ex-mayor. I mean, it had, it had officials, man. There was a lot of fam- uh, And they got, I'm not the guy. But God said, you are, so I preached it. I love Chris. We're good friends with Chris. And we took him over there and uh, buried him not far from the mausoleum. He did not get buried in the mausoleum, but he got buried close to it. So after we were all done, everybody, I said to my, I think I was with my brother, I said, we got to go look at this thing. It looks like the Roman Empire built this. And they did model it after the Romans' construction. And it's all marble and granite and un, simply unbelievable. Beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, I hate to talk about a place where they keep dead bodies. But I have to say, it, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever been looked at in architecturally. And it's well known. But inside are dead man's bones. And that was a complaint that Jesus had with these people called the Pharisees. They were, by the way, the fundamentalists of their day. Backslidden, of course. But they were the fundamental people. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6, it talks about us in our service for God. Not, we're not to do it with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. God kind of summarizes the whole thing in 1 Timothy 1.5, and you may want to take that down because this verse 
is a good find. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.5, now the end of the commandment. Now, anytime the Bible summar, does a summarization, you want to mark that. That's big. The end of the commandment is charity, that's agape love there, out of a pure heart. God wants us to love, agape, self-sacrificing love, out of a pure heart. That's, that's, that's the end of the commandment. That's, 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 the, that's the pinnacle of it all. And of a good conscience and of a faith unfeigned. Three things there. It's a good three-point sermon. Good conscience, undefiled conscience, and an honest or faith unfeigned, an honest faith. In 2 Timothy 2.22 it says, Flee youthful lust, but follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So I'm getting back to God began to talk to me in the woodshed. Y'all know the woodshed? I was smitten as I thought of how through the years, here and there, I had betrayed him in my thoughts. I'm talking about my heart thoughts. I would be lying to you tonight if I told you I had been 100% faithful to my wife in my thoughts. I have not. I have not. And I doubt if there's very few men here this, tonight that have been faithful to their wife in their thoughts. How I've been unfaithful in keeping my eyes pure when I had choices. How I had disappointed God in this area so many times through the years. Of course, you know, getting right at the time, smitten by it. Have you ever had a thought go through your mind? And you wondered, what in the world? How could a Christian think that? Now, don't raise your hand. How could a Christian think that? I've had stuff go through my head that I said, what in the world is that? I, that is just wrong. Sometimes I just verbally get, I get verbal and I say, in the name of Jesus, I denounce that. I stand against that thinking. That's not who I am. As I began to think about this, again, a, a deep moment of sadness came over me. I stopped again with God and said, God, I repent again. There's nothing wrong with repenting over and over and over. I repent again for the, any wicked thoughts, any, any impure thinking that I have had in my life. I don't want it. I, I denounce it. I hate it. The Bible says if you confess your sin, that just simply agrees with All you have to do to confess your sin is just simply agree with God. It's wrong and wicked. And the Bible says he already has forgiven you and justified you. I want to have a pure heart. I want to have an honest heart. 
I want to have an undefiled heart, a pure heart. And this isn't new in my prayer requests. This has been going on for many, many years. I ask God, as David asked God, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. David was a sweet psalmist of Israel. The Bible says he's a man after God's own heart, yet you know that because in his heart he became impure and he didn't stop it there, what happened? His actions became impure with Bathsheba. Though my actions had never gone where David went, in theory and thought they had. My self-justification process, the beginning of this conviction, I was literally with God there for a few minutes acting like a Pharisee. Man, I don't want to be a Pharisee, whatever happens. I don't want to be a Pharisee. How about you? Don't, oh, man. I was acting like a Pharisee. I was sitting there justifying my outward actions. When God, all, he wants those outward actions to be consistent. He wants those outward actions to be right. But he wants the in and out. He wants it all. God will not be satisfied with you or me with anything less. He will not be satisfied. We are not going to con him. We're not going to outsmart him. We're, we're all, unless, unless we get broken and contrite, which are the sacrifices of God, Psalm 51, before him and seek a pure heart will not be where he wants us to be. I talked to college folks. I talked to Jeff Bush when he was here, spent some time with Jeff. I preached up at Bob Jones, talked to the dean of men up there, talked to the people up at ABC, talked to the people at Pensacola, talked to the folks at West Coast. You know one of the biggest problems they got in, in those? These are Christian colleges, fundamental Bible-leaving King James, Christian colleges where people have to pay to be there. They got to want to be there. What's the biggest problem? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? That's the outside looks good, but the inside's full of dead men's bones. See, it's not hypocrisy with the word. It's not so much hypocrisy that can be seen. It's hypocrisy that God sees. Amen? You don't want to live a life of hypocrisy. Uh, the sin of the Pharisees, Jesus defined them. Two things he said they had that were, that were their problem. Number one was covetous. They were very covetous, materialistic people. And they were hypocrites. They were hypocrites. Once in a while you hear of a preacher in the ministry, could be 30 years, 25 years, more, uh, run off with uh, another woman, leave his wife, kids. How many have heard that? Um, it's terrible. Nobody, and usually the response to that is, I can't believe so-and-so did that. I can't believe it. he was such a wonderful guy. 
He, he was a lovely pastor, did the will of God, led the church, church grew. And all of a sudden, he, took, he leaves his wife, takes off with another woman, destroys his reputation, ministry, and all that, all that, and then hurts God's reputation more than anything. And we think that happened all at once. It did not happen all at once. That did not happen all at once. That took a while to happen. And what happened was, he became impure on the inside. Long before he became impure on the outside. The only way you and I are going to survive as born-again believers and, and be pleasing to God is to keep thyself pure. Now, you notice that's not say, God keep you pure. Now, God will help you in this area because if he doesn't help us, we're shocked. But you got to want it. Keep thyself pure. In and out. When I, I, going back to these colleges and these dean of men that I talk to, the biggest problem they have at a Christian college, the ones I mentioned and others, among men, is pornography. We're talking at a Christian college. We're talking at a place that people are supposed to be training for the ministry, that God himself has called them and put them, and, and he has. And ask them to do this and move upon them. I'm more concerned about the inside than I am the outside. I preached in 2005 about Jones. I preached on Monday and Tuesday at chapel. And they didn't tell me what to preach. They didn't mention anything about what to preach. But I prayed, oh, two, three months before I was actually got there, Lord, what do you want me to preach? What, what would happen if they asked you? What are you going to talk about? So I said, God, what do you want me to talk about? Two sermons came up. One of them was called, I named Don't Feed the Dolphins. And it was about addiction. I'm preaching an old-fashioned addiction sermon at a Christian college that these kids have supposedly thrown off all that and gone to college. Good school. Love the Lord. And when I got done with the message, the dean of men almost ran up to me. He said, preacher. Oh, my preacher, we needed that. Oh, you wouldn't understand. I'm the dean of men. He says, you wouldn't understand how many, we, how many young men we have to kick out of here. Because... They defile themselves through pornography and other areas of internal addiction. Under single blind surveys, not over 90% of Christian young men struggle with pornography. I said 90. It's over that actually. But not just young people struggle with that, do they? No, people struggle with it. It's real, and it will ruin you and defile you. 
Let's go back to our verse in Matthew 5, 8. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Wherever you're at tonight, because I'm talking to you about an area that very likely only you know about. Only you really know about. It's possible that nobody else knows about really what goes on in your heart but you and God. That's Now what's amazing is uh, God knows all about it. And God knows all about it. God knows our thoughts, our intents of the heart. Uh, nothing we do is without His understanding and knowledge. And it seems like we're okay with that. But God forbid if your friends would know or your girlfriends would know or, or your boyfriends or your wife or your, or your husband would know or your, or your mom or your dad or your grandpa or grandpa. Oh, my God, I would be so embarrassed. But you don't seem to be too embarrassed when God knows. Think about it. Who really matters in that list I just gave? Really, it's God. He's number one. Because the beauty of purity is blessing. Now, here it is. Here's the bottom. I'll leave you with this. I'll leave you with a positive note. Blessed are the pure in heart. If you will obey the Bible and say, I, nobody, nobody's 100% pure in heart. I don't believe there's a walking human being that hasn't had trouble with where I'm talking about tonight from time to time. Uh, we walk in the flesh. We fulfill it. It's sin. You walk in the spirit. You don't. Not any, I've never known anybody to walk 100% of the time in the Spirit. I work with uh, Chris. I work with, uh, now I'm working with uh, Thomas. Before I worked with Brother Moon, Brother Boucher, close. I can't tell you how many times that I've gotten in the flesh with those boys. And I had to make the phone call. The Holy Spirit will say, well, you know that was wrong. I say, yes, it was. You know that conversation was not where it should have went. Yes, that's correct. And so I got to make the phone call and say, God, first of all, I say, God, forgive me of that. I don't want to be that way. And then I call them and say, would you forgive me of that behavior or whatever? You're probably dying to know what that was, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> and uh, uh, my son, one of my goals for Troy was to not lose his heart. One of my big goals for my son, when I only had one kid and one shot at it, was to not lose his heart. I knew I couldn't live perfectly before him. I knew there was no perfect parent. So I thought, well, when I mess up, and boy, Troy knows he's here tonight, he knows I have really messed up. You don't know how bad I've messed up. And don't ask him, because he'll be glad to tell you. But one thing I wanted to do when, I, when the Spirit of God would convict me on that, I'd go to him and say, son, that's just not right. Please, I'm asking a kid, please forgive me. They wouldn't be here without me. You have to humble your pride. You have to say, well, it's not right. I don't want to be like that. One of my biggest problems was anger. Flash in the pan, explosive anger. Un no warning. Now, you know, you, I know you have a hard time believing that. With a sweet, 
as I have become through the years. But remember, I had Troy, I was 19 years old, so we grew up together. We grew up together, and 19-year-old Bill is not the same as a 68-year-old Bill, I can tell you that. And, uh, whoa, whoa, man. And my wife did the same thing, my woman, my woman. Why is it that you're the worst to the people you love? Oh, there's some conviction going on in there. Why is that? That we're sometimes the worst to the people we love. God forbid. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Jesus will. He loved us while we were in this, while we were in a wicked condition, while we were yet sinners. Christ loved boy. God is good tonight. God loves us and wants us and saves, wants to save us from condemnation, especially condemnation with the world. He does not want you to be condemned with the world. Twice in the Bible it says that. Do not be condemned with the world. And so God brings chastisement. God brings up. He'll take you to the woodshed. He'll convict you. He'll talk to you about it. When it happens, don't you thank God for that? And Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You want to see God tonight? Oh, you want to. There's no beauty but God. God is the very definition of all beauty. All goodness that's really good. All things that you would desire that are pure and right and righteous are in Him. And you want Him. And you want to see Him. By the grace of God, keep thyself pure. Father, help us tonight. Thank you for the few minutes together. Forgive us for being Pharisees. God forbid that we tried to play a game. God forbid. Help us to be real and honest and transparent, broken and contrite, humble, under the mighty hand of God. Help us, in fact, to humble ourselves. Help us, Father, to have purity on the inside. Please, Father, I know you want this for us, and I know you'll answer these type prayers. There could be some folks, and I'm sure there are many folks in this auditorium who have struggled and wrestled. You say we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities and powers, wickedness in high places, spiritual wickedness. Help us, oh God, tonight, your people. Help Gospel Baptist Church not to have a bunch of subterfuge going on, a bunch of behind-the-scenes wickedness going on. But may we be honest and pure with you. When we fall, the Bible says, righteous man falls seven times, riseth up again. If we fall, help us to get back up, confess it to you, and get on the right path. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's...
If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.